You are listening to the Grow Law Firm Podcast, where each guest shares actionable, practical ideas with you on how to get more clients, expand your reach, and grow your law firm's revenue and profit. Here's your host, Sasha Burson. Welcome to Grow Law Firm Podcast. I'm your host, Sasha Burson. And with me here today, I have Fred Trail. Fred, I heard you speak some time ago, and then I heard you on a couple of podcasts, and I'm like, I must have this amazing human being on my podcast. So here we are. I'm honored, honored to have you. Here's why. Fred has a truly unique background. I'm going to talk about it for a moment. Fred is responsible for 1-800-DENTISTS. I am old enough to remember 1-800-DENTISTS like it was all over TV yesterday. It's been a little longer than a day now. Yeah. But he was such a huge brand back in the day. And now Fred is in a different business and he published a wonderful book called Super Bowl. And I think this is something that all attorneys, now our target audience, our only ambitious attorneys should read because it will help you build up your business to the new heights. Fred? Great to be here, Sasha. First thing I want to do is clear up the name of the book, which is Super Bold with a D at the end. A lot of people think I wrote a book about the Super Bowl, so I want to make sure I emphasize that. That was one of the flaws of the title. I hadn't thought about how it would be said and what it would be confused with. I had a great career in a business. The twist and turns, you know, spent a half a billion dollars in advertising on television over 25 years. And learned a lot, made some huge mistakes. And then after I had sold the business and moved on, I really wanted to figure out where I could have the most impact. That's what you start to care about after a while as you get older. You've bought enough stuff that didn't get any happier. And what did I learn that really transformed my life? And it was that I had gone from a very shy underconfident person who missed all sorts of opportunities and stacked tons of regrets to somebody who could walk on a stage, 5,000 people in the audience and just relax and have fun. And I had to figure out how I got that way because it was a long, hard road. And I wanted to figure out how I could teach it so it wouldn't take people as long. And also to realize that if I can learn it and I can get this far, can meet anybody I want. I have met amazing people. A lot of people would have stopped themselves just because I decided I want to be bolder and I built my boldness model in a systematic way. And that's what the book teaches. It's a very progressive, systematic way that you can build your boldness and confidence so that you don't miss opportunities. You don't have regrets. You seize opportunities and you chase your dreams because the clock is running. You know, we're in the game of life but we don't know how long coach is going to let us play. So we could be playing full out, not thinking we still got three more quarters left to win. I love the way that you put it. I find it very interesting. You would think, when you think of a prototypical lawyer, it is someone who is truly bold, very outgoing, aggressive in their conversations. But I find that, that the opposite is more true in so many cases. I find that lawyers, many of them, are by nature very introverted, shy, go to networking events because they know that they need to be the rainmakers in their law firms to bring in business, but do not really know how to talk about themselves. And 
resort to what they do well, which is asking questions about others, never really shining any light on themselves. I know that you have developed this system. It's, a, I believe, a four-step system. Could you please talk about that and the impact that people can expect from learning the system in their business? It's called the PRIDE method, and that's acronym for the five steps of, of how to build your boldest muscle. And it's by doing exercises, by putting yourself in your discomfort zone, but doing it in a very specific way. And so first thing is to prepare. The P in pride is preparation. So if you want to meet somebody, you're going to prepare what you're going to say. Very often, that's quite simply offer them a compliment. People put so much pressure on themselves. Like, oh, I have to be funny. I have to be clever. I have to be interesting. No, you just have to be nice. Just have to be curious. And I'm going to give one of the great rules that I learned. And this is in terms of networking, which is has a negative connotation is if you're in a situation where you're meeting people, lose the agenda and mm. the connection. That's what you want to do. You want to forget all about having some agenda for why you want to meet this person and just make a human connection. Find out what's important to that. Find out where you intersect. I've talked to people in three minutes, we figure out we know somebody who lives in another state. <laughs> you know, it's crazy how it happens just because you just start exchanging things. So that preparation involves just thinking about what you're going to say. Don't, don't expect yourself to come up with something in the moment to rehearse those things, practice those things, you know, talk to strangers, talk to somebody in an elevator, just say hi. So I don't want to focus on each step too much, but I want to get all of them. The next step is relaxing. The other is insights. The fourth step is dosage. Control the intensity of the experience. And then the E in pride is everyday action. Work in your boldness muscle every day because what you get to every day aggregates and what you think you might get to disintegrates. It's like exercising. It probably worked out when you felt like it. How often would you work out? Twice a year, maybe? So the power of doing something every day towards something you want starts, your brain says, oh, I guess we're going to do this. And it starts to work in the background on it. It starts to add information, add understanding, and add to your skill set. If you wanted to build muscle, you're going to push it. You're going to strain it. That's what the dosage thing is about. You're going to strain your muscle in order to make it work. You got to strain your boldness muscle. You got to go into your discomfort zone a little bit to get stronger, but you don't want to go so extremely that you retreat back into your shell or you get tongue tied. So you're controlling the intensity of the experience. And what happens is six months go by and you say, wow, I'm really comfortable just walking up to people and starting a conversation. And I don't have to read my resume and I don't have to worry about being funny. I can just be interested in them. I can just be curious about what matters to them and have a, a very normal conversation. And they'll sense that I have no agenda. That's a huge thing because we sense, I can sense an agenda in 20 seconds from somebody. If you come from this place of generosity, instead of this place of, place of need, all of a sudden doors swing open and talk about boldness in, in all different directions. But it, the number one key to success I have found in life is your ability to meet anybody you want and connect with them. 
even if it's for a minute or two, because there's somebody that may have a little bit of information that would be hugely valuable or could connect you to somebody or could become a friend or a connection to something important or a client. You don't know. They may never be a client of yours. If they know you and they say, geez, I, I met Sasha. And it, I mean, it's just great. It's just, you know, I really felt comfortable with them. I felt talking great talking to them. I, you know, you're going through this contractual problem thing. I think you need to talk to Sasha. So they're out there. They're your referral sources working for you because you weren't parading your agenda around. You weren't parading your need around. We don't learn this stuff. We don't learn how to even connect with people. So this is definitely a fascinating subject. When I think of myself, I'm in my mid-40s now, and I am extroverted, but also, oddly, I'm very shy by nature. Back in the day when I was single, I had to like force myself to say hello to ladies. And it was incredibly, incredibly difficult. But over time, I got over myself and made yeah. it easy. When I think about professional life, because this is a B2B podcast, I know that natural shyness prevented me from making a lot more money because once again, networking, connecting with other people, my connections are fairly limited because I didn't feel bold enough, pun intended here, to build more connections. And people who have a lot more connections, especially in the legal business, tend to do a lot better because of their vast network because that vast network, part of it, that the vast network can be driving a lot of business to them, especially when you come and meet people without an agenda, which I absolutely love that point because when people go to networking events, there's that sense that I am there to sell something or I am there to generate leads or I'm there to build relationships specifically to get more business. So if you come at it without that agenda, like you put it, I think that the results over time will be significantly better. And the last point that you need to practice this, just like any other muscle, is of such an importance because I think that most lawyers hate networking, but know that they need to make those connections. So they go to their quarterly, biannual, annual bar association events, and there they cling to people who they already know. Do not build new relationships. Yeah. The other thing that you did, and you talked about it, you said, I was very shy. The thing is, easy to fall into that trap of defining yourself as an introvert or shy. The reality is, you're shy in certain situations. You exhibit the behavior in certain situations. You're not shy all the time. You're not shy with your family. You're not shy with your pals. You are experienced shyness. You experience underconfidence in certain areas. And I, every human being has situational boldness and they have situational underconfidence and it's different for everybody i know people that can walk on stage and they can talk to an audience comfortable funny totally relaxed they're gonna break a sweat but one-on-one -on -one, they've got nothing <laughs> you made an interesting point you said that some people are incredibly comfortable speaking to a group possibly of the stage but when they're in one-on-one -on -one situation like you put it they got nothing yeah, I mean, we all have situational boldness. We have underconfidence in certain situations, and we're perfectly bold or confident or comfortable in other situations. So it's a trap to define yourself by, I'm an introvert, I'm shy. It's like, you're not shy everywhere. You're not shy with your friends or your family or people like that. So why not say, 
I am expanding my boldness. That's all you're really doing. And like you said, you had to force yourself to uncomfortably talk to women until it got easier. You built your boldness muscle and you realize it's a learned skill. There are some people who are naturally bold and it's mostly that they didn't have it repressed by their parents. They were bold when they were younger and they were rewarded for it. So they just kept behaving that way. Whereas the rest of us had everybody telling us, don't be a show off, don't draw attention to yourself, mind your business, speak when spoken to, all this crazy stuff that does you no good as an adult. (laughs) And so we have to deprogram that stuff. And a lot of it is our self-programming. It's the tapes that are playing in our head going, well, I'm really shy. And you know what? You can say, I'm not shy. I love meeting new people. I love networking events because I always meet somebody new. What I do at at networking events now I find the shyest person in the room and I go and talk to her. You always tell who they are because they're looking at the bookcases and the CD collections and stuff like that and the wine selection and just start talking to them. And very often they're an incredibly interesting person. They just don't know how to interact socially and then introduce them to somebody else. You got to know how to move in and you got to know how to move out and you got to know how to pay attention people. A lot of times The other thing people do at networking events is they're always looking for the next person to talk to. So they're talking to you, but they're like their radars on for who else might be more interesting to talk to. And you can Mm -hmm. perceive when somebody's doing that to you. So the people I've known who are great at meeting people is they stay locked on those people. When they're talking to you, they are talking to you. They act like you're the only person in the room. And you feel that, and that just opens you up. And when they stay focused on you and they're probing, they're not trying to top what you said with a better story. You say, look, I just got back from Italy and I just had a fabulous time. I went to Italy and I saw the Rolling Stones at the Coliseum. And then, uh, you know, we had a fabulous dinner with 40 people, you know, in London and Buckingham Palace on the way back. And you go like, I don't have anything to compare with that. Just waiting to one up you. Yeah. And that's Mm -hmm. playing top. This is a real repellent. So instead you say, really, what was the most interesting thing that happened in Rome? Because I want to go back. And I I felt like I only scratched the surface. And then they start to tell you what they like. And then you say, geez, it seems like you're kind of addicted to travel. Where else have you been? And all of a sudden you're asking questions, but you're asking these open-ended questions that aren't, what do you do and how can that benefit me? It's who are you and what's important to you? What do you care about? What excites you? What interests you? What's unique about you? And then you share it with other people. You call somebody over and say, do you realize what Sasha did? Do you realize he walked up Everest backwards? Who does that? And all of a sudden, you're creating this environment where your genuine interest in people is radiating through the room. And that's powerful. It's incredibly easy to do because all you got to do is stop trying to prove that you're interesting. It goes all the way back to how to win friends and influence people. That really old book. You want to be interesting, be interested in people. Mm -hmm. So fascinating. When I picture, and I know quite a few rainmakers, lawyers who are incredibly successful, I think that this is a fairly common trait amongst them. They know how to grab that spotlight and shine it on the other person. Yeah. They really do. And they're very, very open and receptive to meeting new people. I think that 
they on purpose seek out those new connections, build those new connections, and it appears that it comes very naturally to them. But now that I'm listening to you once again, I realize that many of them might have gone through these trials and tribulations to getting to the point where they are comfortable and confident doing this. And fortunately, you wrote the book and laid it out all in one book where you explain the system of how anyone can get trained in this and become one of the popular kids, quote unquote. And by the way, a side point that you mentioned, I think it's so incredibly important. I think a ton of people who are listening to this podcast are parents and their kids are still on the younger side. Building confidence into these children is incredibly important to their future. If you're always yep. telling them to lower their voice and not be show offs and this and that, to an extent, right, you might be lowering their confidence. I thought when you were talking about it, I thought of Sir Richard Branson, whose parents did the opposite of that. They instilled confidence in him. They pushed him to the limit so he would feel very confident undertaking the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. So even as a young man, he was already very confident in his abilities, which being an incredibly successful human being is at least in part, was probably founded on that. And, you know, I remember him saying that his mother said to him, most people watch people do stuff. We do stuff in our family. Mm -hmm. And so he said, we didn't watch a lot of television. We didn't do, watch a lot of sports. We didn't do that. We did all sorts of things. But she was the opposite of a helicopter parent. And mm -hmm. what she did is she said, push your boundaries. I'm going to put you in an uncomfortable situation often enough where you're just going to be comfortable in those situations. And he just got bolder and bolder. But he's also a wonderful guy. He connects with people one by one. I've watched him do it in a room full of people. And he, he can connect with all of them. And it's because he's got no agenda. He genuinely likes people. And we're all social. If you feel like you don't like people, you're actually repressing a basic human need, which is for social connection. So you're lying to yourself that you'd rather be alone and you prefer your own company to other people and you don't like most people. This is all stories because you don't feel worthy enough to meet a lot of these people. It's all under confidence in a thick shell that you've built around yourself. We all need people and we all benefit in our heart and soul and even in our longevity. Look at the blue zones around the world where people live to be 100 years old. One of the number one things is they're always involved in their community. They have a massive social life. It nourishes you and it undernourishes you if you don't believe you need it and you avoid it. Such an interesting point. And once again, I'm interviewing someone who is shining a light on something that I thought naturally that you cannot develop that. Some people were born with it and others weren't. So when I think about rainmakers, they're like that. They are like Richard Branson. They're very outgoing. They easily connect with people. But this is a trainable trait. Like yesterday, I had an interesting gentleman on my podcast. His name is Chester Santos, and he's the U.S. champion of memory. His memory is ridiculously good, like ridiculously good. And I always thought that my memory was not that great, especially as, as I get older. And he showed me that I was wrong. And I was like, huh, I can actually develop this as a skill. And now I listen to you and I'm like, huh, I can improve on the skill that I already have. I connect with people fairly easily, but not as easily as I'd like to. So now I need to reread the book and once again, like focus on those daily practices to make sure that I am better at this. 
And because our podcast is focused on growing law firms, and the way you grow law firms is by getting more clients. Anybody who is listening to this, think about it this way. A median income in 2020, which I think is like the latest available data from Bureau of Labor Statistics, BLS, was $122,000 for attorneys. In many metro areas today in 2022, that is not a lot of money. But when they think about the rainmakers who I know, they're arguably making at least 10 times that amount. They're not 10 times smarter. They're definitely not 10 times more experienced. And they definitely do not work 10 times as many hours as everybody else. What they do is they easier connect with other people. So they know more people. They're liked by more people. And in turn, those people drive new business to them. So developing the skill can easily add millions and millions and millions of dollars in additional income to you over your lifetime. That's how important it is to develop the skill. So grab the book. It's on Amazon. It's called Super Bold, not Super Bold, Super Bold, like boldness, being Super Bold, B-O-L-D. Read it and start practicing. By the way, Fred, I know based on my experience and experience of so many other people, just reading a book or listening to an audiobook often is not enough to get us to actually do what we learn from the book. Aside from the book, do you offer any other type of training? I do do workshops and some individual coaching for CEOs, but the way the book is designed, the last third of it is exercises that you're going to do. So don't just listen to the book. If you're going to listen on Audible or read a Kindle, go to my website, fredjoyle.com and download a PDF of the exercises and do them. Do an exercise every day. Build your boldness muscle by doing these things. And it's people say, well, where do I start? Talk to strangers. That's where you start. One sentence, one word, one compliment, do it every day. And then all of a sudden you'll say, wow, that kind of felt good. I just made that person feel really good. I told them their hair looked amazing. And that changed their day. I think I'm going to do that again. And all of a sudden you realize you're like walking around with fairy dust, making people happy. And then you start to say, okay, how do I make myself a little bit more uncomfortable? And the book is full of those exercises that increase the dosage as you build your boldness muscle. Till before you know it, you just say, wow, I'm pretty comfortable in all sorts of places. I can chase bigger dreams. I could charge more per hour. I mean, yes. the reason a lot of lawyers charge more is because they're bold enough to charge more. They're not better. They just want a hundred bucks more an hour. And if a client comes in and just gives them a hard, they say, well, how much are you an hour? And you, they say 550. And they say, wow, that's a lot of money. I don't know if you're really worth it. You know what they say? For you, it's going to be 650 because I think you're going to be a problem. <laughs> and the person goes, I'm not that much of a problem. I'm just looking for the best price. And it's like, well, I'm not the cheapest lawyer. If you know that, if you want to know the cheapest lawyer, I know who he is. I can give you his number, right? But if you keep irritating me, we're going to be at 750. So I would just sign now. And what happens is well, I'm looking for a lawyer. I want a confident lawyer. I want a butt kicker. I want somebody who's going to stand up to the opposition. It's an adversarial world in the contract world and the litigation world. I want somebody who says, yeah, it's 650 because I'm worth it. And it might be 750 in the next 15 minutes if you don't sign the contract. I'm signing. And that, think of how desirable that is when you're looking for an attorney. 
This is a fascinating little story that you just shared here, how to communicate with some clients. And to all those who doubt this methodology, think about it this way. For every one or two prospects who you may lose to this technique, you will gain two or three who will pay you a higher rate. So you will do less work for more money. Yeah. Now, I love that your book has all of the training and that you have additional PDFs on your website. But I also know, I love Jim Rohn. He said something that I repeat often. What is easier to do is even easier not to do. So I find that that hands-on training is a lot more powerful for many people. If somebody wanted to reach out to you, your team, connect and see how you could provide them with group training or one-on-one coaching, how would they go about that? So on my website, on fredjoyle.com, you can book a half-hour conversation with me and we can talk about it. We can talk about how that would be done in either a group setting or in a a one-by-one thing. I'm coaching a young man right now. Actually, he's a classically shy person, like afraid of his own shadow kind of person. And I've just got him doing stuff every day to gradually increase his very tiny comfort zone. But in the three weeks that I've coached him, he's found a job in the career that he wants to work in. And I said, great, now you can start to create relationships and learn from the people you're with. What's the next step? You know, I want to get an apartment. Okay, so what's that mean? Oh, I've got to find an apartment. I said, all right, what's the date? Let's set a hard date for when you're going to have that apartment. I said, because all of a sudden pieces are going to start to fall in place because you say on April 1st, I'm going to be in my own apartment with a roommate and stop living with my family. So it's interesting to watch somebody who's so constricted. It's his life is so difficult because underconfidence rules his life to see him expand his comfort zone. And you can see it in his eyes. It's like, wow, this is all possible. What I didn't believe possible for my life at all is completely possible. So it's actually fun for me to push people and say, all right, what's the next most difficult thing you could be doing that you think you could probably pull off and be really uncomfortable the whole time? Let me give you one last thought. Is a lot of people think you have to be confident to be bold. The reality is it's just what you did when you were learning to talk to women. You had to be bold even though you weren't confident. Bold action builds your confidence. That's the secret. Take bold action whether you're confident or not and the confidence will build. So super fascinating. And here's what I'm thinking for this young man who you're coaching. This is like hands-on coaching. This is absolutely life-changing. And I assume for those attorneys who decide to study your methodology and potentially connect with you and get training with a group training or one-on-one training, this could also be absolutely life-changing because it could really put them on a different trajectory as far as their incomes go. Speaking of incomes, I really like numbers and I really like for our audience to understand the numbers. What is the typical investment into engagement with you? It's a bold question. Yeah, it's when I'm coaching a CEO, I charge $5,000 a month and I usually talk to him for about 90 minutes a month. If I'm coaching an individual that I know is is struggling, I'm going to coach him for $500 and I'm going to coach them once or twice a month. It won't be for an hour each time. It'll probably be 15 or 20 minute check-in with me challenging them and seeing how they're doing and them giving me little text updates. And I can only do so many people. 
But when I coach a CEO, everything I change about her is going to make her 5,000 or 10,000 or 20,000 more in that month Mm -hmm. and in her career. It's going to aggregate. And if she doesn't believe that, then she doesn't need to talk to me. But they've got leverage in their life at that point, and they've got blind spots. And the average CEO has nobody to turn to. They've got their board, and they've got everybody working below them. So they don't have anybody to say, hey, you're this is where you're off course here. This is where you're messing up. This is where you need to alter your behavior. And I don't care if they like hearing it from me or not. I believe in a certain level of candor. I'll tell people, I'm not going to be gentle with you because that's a waste of both our times. You want to change. You want to find things that aren't working for you and ship those things. And I'm going to push you to the edge. So that's what's changing. So here's what I really love about problem solvers like Fred. When I think about how much money it takes to invest into yourself, so let's imagine that I decided to hire you and I spend anywhere between $6,000 and $60,000 a year on working with you. If I knew that I had a problem with confidence, with boldness, and that problem impacted my personal income, an investment of $6,000 or $60,000, I'm still in my prime years. I expect to work for another 20, 25 years would pay off such an incredibly huge dividend over those 20, 25, 30 years that an investment in having in working with you would be absolutely free to me. I love this. I'm paying that much for coaching myself. I'm trying to get better all the time too. And I need somebody from the outside pushing my boundaries. Yep. Yes, do I for sure. Fred, thank you so very much. This has been an incredibly, incredibly valuable conversation. Appreciate it. Well, thank you, Sasha. I've enjoyed it tremendously myself. So thanks for having me on. Thanks for listening to the Grow Law Firm podcast. If you liked the ideas shared in this episode, help a fellow lawyer out by sharing a link to the episode. This episode is powered by the team of experts in client attraction, growlawfirm.com. Do you want a complimentary growth plan for your law firm? Request it at growlawfirm.com slash blueprint.